0: In the vast skies of opportunity, pilots chart courses with precision, guided by instruments, training, and instinct. But beyond the horizon of the aeronautical lies another challenge, the intricate tapestry of finance. For every pilot, the journey doesn't end upon landing. It's about securing the future, understanding the nuances of investments, and crafting a legacy. Where do you turn when the charts and maps of finance seem as intricate as the schematics of an aircraft? Welcome to the Pilot's Advisor with Ryan Fleming, a First Officer with FedEx on the 777 at the helm. On this show, we'll delve deep into tailored financial strategies, insights and wisdom crafted exclusively for those who rule the skies. We'll help you navigate your financial flight plan with the same mastery you exhibit in the cockpit prepare for takeoff into a journey of financial clarity and empowerment. The Pilot's Advisor starts now.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Pilot's Advisor. We have a very, very special guest today. Famous, famous author, speaker, travel world traveler, travels all the time, almost, or actually more than airline pilots. We were just comparing travel <laughs> schedules and and this cat's traveling more than most of our uh, airline guys but uh welcome to the show damon west damon why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself ryan first
2: of all thanks a lot for having me on brother i'm excited to, to be here with you today and ever since i met you a few weeks ago um i'm glad that you you followed through man you said hey let's do this podcast we talked about uh listen man we met at clemson because i was there to speak to Dabo sweeney's football team and, and Dabo sweeney it has a very special place in my heart because Dabo Sweeney was the guy that really gave me a new start in life. And when I say a new start in life, because 15 years ago, I was a completely different guy than the guy that you're seeing in front of you now. I mean, I wasn't this best-selling author. I didn't have a movie deal. I wasn't friends with guys like Dabo. I didn't travel all over the world because 15 years ago, I was a full blown meth addict and I was the head of an organized crime ring. That was operate throughout the entire city of Dallas. I was I was the top criminal on the criminal period. The guy they call the mastermind, the shot caller, that was me. And I was in that uh, I was in this dirty old apartment fifteen years ago. It was July thirtieth, two thousand eight day, and they take me down. They take me to Dallas County Jail. They arrest me. My bond is set at one point four million dollars, and I'm being arrested for the crime of engaging in organized criminal activity. This is Rico. This is every, everybody. Right now, at the current time we're we're recording this, everybody in in America is talking about RICO cases right now because there's a very big RICO case that just got filed in Georgia. But I got filed under the RICO statute and it's organized crime. And I was charged as the mastermind of it. So 10 months later, I go to this trial and a jury sentences me to life in prison for engaging in organized criminal activity to commit burglary of habitation over meth. It was all a bunch of meth-related burglaries. And after that trial was over, I had a uh, a really serious conversation with my mom and my dad, and they they asked me, look, look, you know, you can't come back as someone we don't recognize. You can't get in one of these gangs, come back with a bunch of tattoos. In fact, my mom says, no gangs, no tattoos. You come back as the man we raised, or don't come back at all. And, and Ryan, I'm floored, man, because I don't know how I'm going to do this, because every guy that I'm talking to in Dallas County Jail is telling me you have to get into a gang. They said I couldn't survive without a gang, not to the part of the prison I was going to. But I ran into this older black man in Dallas County jail named Mr. Jackson. And Mr. Jackson is what you would call a seasoned convict. He's been in and out of prison his entire life, but he was the most positive guy I've ever met in my life. And he had a smile on his face everywhere he went. So one morning Jackson comes up and I've got just a little bit of time before the prison bus is coming to pick me up and take me off to prison to go serve my life sentence. And he comes up to me and he's very serious. He's like, listen, you know, don't listen to these idiots about getting to a gang, but let me tell you what prison's going to be like. And so he's telling me about the dynamic in prison, about how all the gangs run the prison system and all the gangs are based on race. And because you're a white guy, you got to fight the white gangs first. After that, you'll fight the black gangs if you want to be independent, which is what your mom and your dad made you promise to be. And he sees the fear in my eyes and he says, hey, listen, man, let me break it down for you a different way. He said, I want you to imagine prison as a pot of boiling water. He said, anything we put into this pot of boiling water will be changed by the heat and the pressure inside this pot. He said, I'm going to put three things in this pot of boiling water and watch how they change. A carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean. So he walks me through the changes that happen to each one of these objects. The carrot, he said, in the pot of boiling water will become soft. This happens to people in life, he said, they get beat down, they get soft and sad and weak. He said, the egg... And the same pot of boiling water goes in with that hard outer shell, the soft liquid inside. But eventually, the water will transform that soft liquid inside into a hard, hardened heart. And he said, you don't want to become the egg either because the egg is institutionalized. But he said the coffee bean in the same pot of boiling water changes the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. And he said the coffee bean was the only thing that would change the water because it is a change agent. And the power, he said, is inside the coffee bean. He said, just like the powers inside you. And the last words he ever spoke to me in 2009, when the prison bus is coming to pick me up, the last words he ever said were, be a coffee bean. Ryan, I remember how I felt the day that I heard Mr. Jackson explain the coffee bean to me, because right then and there, it clicked in my mind immediately of how I was going to turn this whole thing around. Because I had three choices. And that's the thing. When I understand what my choices are, I can choose the path I want to go. Because the choice is mine every single day of if I want to be the carrot, the egg, or the coffee bean. And so I took this pot, this message of the coffee bean into the biggest pot of boiling water there is, a maximum security prison in the state of Texas. And I didn't just transform myself in that pot of boiling water. I transformed the entire prison around me. Like everywhere I went, the positivity went with me. Seven years into this prison sentence, the parole board comes to visit me. I don't think I have a chance to make parole, but the parole board comes to visit me. And the lady from parole goes over my story and she's like, listen, we just don't see a lot of people like you come through the system. And she's going through my backstory, Ryan. I mean, she said you came from a great family. Your mom and your dad are still married. You know, your dad was a sports writer. Your mom was a nurse. Uh, you were a great football player. You know, I was. I was a really great athlete in life. I played division one college football at the University of North Texas. I was a quarterback. Um, The jobs I had. I mean, I worked in the United States Congress. I worked for a guy running for president of the United States. I was a broker for UBS. And in fact, it was at UBS in 2004 in Dallas when I was introduced to meth for the first time by another stockbroker. But she told me, she said, you made some poor choices in life. You chose a life of crime. You became the leader of a bunch of other criminals and. You broke into people's houses. And even though my crimes weren't physical crimes, no one was ever physically hurt. I never saw my victims. They never saw me. She said, it doesn't change the fact that you stole something from your victims that they, they can never get back. And she said, that is their sense of security. She said, but my question for you is this. If you could be remembered for being anything in life, anything at all, she said, tell me what that would be in just one word, go. And man, Ryan, I, I remember just breathing out, exhaling because- that's an easy question for a coffee bean. And, and I told her, I said, ma'am, I just want to be useful. And that's what I want to be. I want to be useful again. I can be useful inside this prison or I can be useful in the free world again, finding more coffee beans. And on November 16, 2015, seven years and three months after the SWAT team took me down in 2008, I walked out of a Texas prison. Now, I'm not free. I mean, because, you know, this is like the prison sentence isn't over when you walk out. I'm on parole And it means I'm on parole for the rest of that 65 years. I'm on parole to the year 2073 in the state of Texas. And this is like, I've got the shortest leash on on me anybody can have, but I don't let it hold me back, Ryan. I've been able to do stuff in the last eight years that I've been out of prison that, uh, frankly, it blows my mind away. But I tell people all the time that, man, God God doesn't set bushes on fire anymore, Ryan. He sets people on fire. And that's when you see someone just burning and glowing and something that, like, the only way to explain that is the existence of a supreme being, because how else do you explain what's going on in my life? In the eight years I've been out of prison, I've gone from being inmate West, number one five eight five six eight nine to becoming a three-time Wall Street Journal best-selling author. I, I went back to school. I got a master's. I'm a college professor. I'm a family man. I'm a businessman. And I'm friends to guys like Dabo Swinney, who bring me in to talk to their teams. Nick Saban brings me in to talk to his teams to share the message of the coffee bean, because Everybody is struggling with different things in life. And that's why I wanted to come in here tonight and talk to a pilots group, which I've never talked to before, because you have your own pot of boiling water that you're in in the airline industry right now. And this coffee bean message can help you, too.
1: Well, there's so many other things about how we met and, and how I've heard about you that I want to talk about, too. I mean, obviously, I can relate a lot of people that were college athletes that played football. I mean, I love college football. But college football ends, whether it's injury or you don't go into the pros or, or as they say at 100% of every co- or every athlete's life won, you know, their, their sports career will end and we all handle it differently. You know, you worked at UBS, you were a trader and I can't say I did meth or any of that, but we all struggle and make choices in life. So I had actually heard your story before because of a, uh, somebody I knew, a very good friend said, you have to listen to this. And so I had heard your podcast. All right. And so I, it was so powerful. I was like, Wow. That is amazing.
0: Attention aviators. When you've spent years in the cockpit managing the complexities of flight, isn't it time you navigated your retirement with the same precision? Introducing retirepilots.com. Right at your touchdown zone on our homepage, there's a beacon flashing, get my free toolkit. Click and you'll be cleared for a direct route to the Pilots Advisor Retirement Toolkit, which is tailor made for pilots like you. Inside, you'll find two important books, The Pilot's Advisor and Pilots Retire Early. Decipher the nine critical decisions when retiring before 65, and discover the seven lessons to help pilots land safely in retirement. But that's not all. This free toolkit is packed with altitude high value, including extras to get your retirement plans off the runway. When you order this free toolkit, you'll receive crucial tax planning information You'll also discover ways to light the afterburners on your 401k, and you'll even earn a free portfolio analysis. So captains and first officers, don't let turbulence disrupt your golden years. Start your descent to a clear, comfortable retirement. Vector on over to retirepilots.com to grab your free Pilots Advisor Retirement Toolkit, and let's embark on this journey together. retirepilots.com.
1: So I ended up, I was at Clemson and Tracy Sweeney, Dabble's brother, introduced me to you and I heard you talk and then you had walked away and I was like, something clicked inside me and I was like, wait a second, I know this guy, you know, and uh, I had asked the Tracy, I go, what's his name again? And he said to me, and that's when I came back to you and uh, I got to be honest with you, as good as the podcast was listening to your message to the Clemson football team and hearing the, the whole story. Was off the
2: charts. I mean, bro, I appreciate so, so that, powerful. Man. So, powerful. thank you very much, man. Thank you. Oh. I appreciate that, and I'm blown away that you, you know, because to me, in my mind, I'm just this guy from a small town called Port Arthur, and it's like when people recognize me somewhere, I'm like, how do you know who I am? But that's really cool, man. That's really cool that you heard that Ed Millett podcast and you even know where you were. That tells me it was impactful.
1: Well, absolutely, and and the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, I mean, we met in the hotel again later, and you brought it up, like, hey. Let's do a podcast together. And I'm like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to hold him to that. Yeah. And the reason is, for me, is it was impactful enough on my life that I want others to hear it, okay? Because regardless of what somebody gets out of your message, they're, they're going to get something that's going to help them. And and uh, I think it's it's so important to get it out there. So I very much appreciate you, you telling us about it. But I also want you to tell the story about, you You talk about how Dabo changed everything for you, how he helped you kind of go on this path. And I think that I always used to tell people that I mentored or even my teammates, persistence is power. Because if you never give up, you never fail. And I think the story of you... uh
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I know exactly the story. So here it is, y'all. This is what Ryan's talking about. So I can tell you the date. This is like one of those things, like you knew where you were at the gym when you heard that podcast with me. So it was January 12th, 2017. And on January 12th, 2017, I've been out of prison for 14 months and... And I got a job working at a law firm, Ryan. So it's a pretty good job for a guy that just got out of prison. But I've got this dream of sharing my story with college football players. And the reason why is because I played Division I college football. I know I can relate to these these men and they can relate to me. But I don't know any college football coaches. It's been 20 years since I've taken a snap at the University of North Texas. But still, I know I've got a great story. I just got to get in front of some of these coaches. And look, I'm having – you know, 14 months out of prison, I'm struggling to get anywhere to talk to at this point. I mean, excuse me, you can't just walk out of prison, you know, one day and go knocking on the doors at local high schools and saying, <laughs> I just got out of prison. I want to talk to your kids. You know, they may lock you back up. <laughs> so it took me some time to even get any traction locally where I was. And the dream of talking to college football programs is so far away from where I am in the reality of, you know, just putting my life together out of prison and being on parole for the rest of my life. So for the most part, when I get out of prison, I don't have anywhere to talk. But in my parents' spare bedroom, there was a mirror in there. And every day that I wasn't speaking somewhere, which was most days in those first two years, I was in front of that mirror, practicing my presentation, getting in my reps. Because whatever it is you want to do in life, you've got to get in reps to be good at. The the more reps you get, the better you are. And so January 12th, 2017, I'm at the law firm at work. A buddy of mine calls me from Houston. He works at Houston Media. He said, "Hey." Get down here to Houston right now. And I'm I'm 90 miles away in Beaumont. He said, tonight is the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year Award. That The eight best coaches in the country are in this room. I've got an extra press pass if you want to go. So I was like, you bet I want to go. So I, I drive the 90 miles from Beaumont to Houston after work. I'm practicing my elevator pitch the whole way there on I-10. I get to the Toyota Center. He hands me a press pass. He sneaks me in. There I am. I'm on the floor. All these coaches there, USC, Wisconsin, Penn State, they're all there. And I get to go up and I meet all these coaches and I shake their hand and tell them why they should bring me in to talk to their team. And man, every single coach I met that night, Ryan, slammed the door in my face. They all told me no. Everybody was saying no. In one hour, I've been told no seven times by the eight coaches that are there. That's a no every eight minutes. So there I am. I'm in the corner of the Toyota Center. I'm licking my wounds. I'm feeling sorry for myself. And the voice in my head is telling me, go home. You're an imposter. You don't belong in this room. And I think we can all relate to the voice, right? The the imposter syndrome, like things aren't going out how you think they should. And maybe I don't belong here. That's what's going through my head. But let me tell you something I quit doing a long time ago, listening to myself. You shouldn't listen to yourself either because the voice in your head, it can be fear talking to you. And you never want to listen to because fear is a liar. So instead of listening to myself, I, t- I talk to myself. I do it a lot. And I'm so I'm in the corner of Toyota Center. I'm pumping myself back up. I'm like, no, you're not going anywhere. That last coach is going to tell you no to your face, and then you'll go home. And and Ryan, the last coach, well, you know who it is. He's the hardest guy to get to in the room because his team had just beat Alabama two nights before for the national championship. Everybody wants Dabo Sweeney's time. So for the next hour, I stalked Dabo Sweeney around that room. And I look like a nut, man. I'm hiding behind fake plants. I'm weaving in and out of tables. Every conversation Dabo has, I'm on the edge of it trying to jump in. And finally, I get in front of Dabbo, man. And I give him my best stuff for about a minute. And I come up for air. And Dabo's like, dude, you got a card on you? And so I gave him my card. He took it from me. And he said, I'll check you out. And he was gone. I mean, he couldn't get away from me fast enough. So I went home that night. I went 0 for 8. And that's in my mind, I went 0 for 8. But I felt good about that last no because I left it all on the field. And that's what we learn when we we're younger, playing sports. And But in life, in general, Mr. Jackson in county jail, he told me, he said, you don't have to win all your fights, but you do have to fight all your fights. And so I felt good about that night because I fought all my fights. I lost them all. Four months later, I get an email from the director of football operations at Clemson, this guy named Mike Dooley. And uh, Mike Dooley's email said, hey, Damon, Coach Swinney, Met you at an award show in Houston, and he'd love to have you come talk to the team. Do you have August first open? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I got every first open, Mike Dooley. I, I can come right now. I mean, yeah, I got, I got it open. So August first, two thousand seventeen, I get to go speak to the Clemson Tigers, the defending national champions of college football. And when I get done with my presentation that night, Dabo's up in my face, man. He said – and Dabo is very high energy himself. Oh, he, yeah. He like, he's like, man, that's the most amazing story I've ever heard, Damon. I, I've never seen my players respond like that to a speaker. He said, if you've been to Alabama yet. And I'm like, no, I've been to Clemson. I hadn't been anywhere, Dabo. I have not been in, – in, no, I have not been to Alabama. He said, well, I just text Nick Saban from the back of the room. We'll see what happens. And the next day when, I, when, I, when my flight lands at Intercontinental Airport in Houston, I turn on my phone. i got a voicemail, a text message from the director of football operations at Alabama. We'll see you in Tuscaloosa in three weeks. Dabo called. Then it's Kirby Smart called. Then it's Lincoln Riley called. Every coach in America is calling my phone because Dabo is calling them all. He's advocating for me. He became my biggest advocate. And it's that idea that that growth follows belief. And the thing about it is, is you have to believe in yourself before other people will believe in you. But once you show that, once you believe in yourself, people will buy into you. People will believe in you, but they'll never do it until you believe in yourself. But Dabo felt so compelled because he felt the, the sincerity, the energy of the story, the authenticity of it. And then he connects me to this guy named John Gordon. John Gordon's one of the biggest motivational speakers and authors in America. John Gordon calls me the next year out of the blue and says, hey, Damon, look, Dabo introduced the coffee bean message to me. And he's you know he's like, Damon, we need to write a book about this. The world needs a coffee bean message. And the next year, Ryan, I write this book with this multi-best selling author named John Gordon, and my life changed overnight. I mean, just exploded. I mean, just put my name out into this this new scene of the speaking circuit out there. And but everything in my life, you know, goes back, like I said, the very beginning to Dabbo Sweeney, man. Dabbo Sweeney, that one guy, the one yes in a room full of no's. And I mean, imagine if I leave that room that night. Imagine if I'm, when I'm in the corner of the Toyota Center after those seven no's. And I walk out that door, then we're not having this conversation. The world doesn't have the coffee bean message. And so I tell people all the time, man, don't give up before the miracle happens, man. Those hopes and goals and dreams you have, man, keep working at that because you never know where your dad Sweeney moment is going to be.
1: Well, and it, it's such an unbelievable story. And I'm going to have links to your other podcasts that you've done with some other individuals, your books. I'm going to have it all uh, linked to this podcast, but, 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 the 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 story is so powerful that we got to get it out there, and I appreciate your work ethic too. Because we were talking before we went got on the podcast, and I was telling how you know normally we travel twelve days out of the month, and 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 I was like, yeah, so I know a little bit about travel.
2: And then this guy tells me he travels how many days? At least twenty four days of the month, man. I'm on the road. I spend more. I was telling my wife, and I go, I spend more money on hotels every month than the, than the mortgage on our house. I spend more money on rental cars every month than the two cars that we have together, my wife and I. I mean, yeah, every month I'm on the road constantly. Um, I'm in airports every day. I'm on planes every day. I could talk a little bit about the airline industry if you want to talk about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, we, and we were, we were talking a little bit about that. I mean, I, you guys that listen to my podcast, you got United pilots, you got American pilots, you got Delta pilots, you got FedEx, UPS. So you got to be nice. But uh, yeah, we were, we were talking a little bit about just the airline service right now and what's going on in the industry.
2: Um,
1: it's, you know, tough, some, it's,
2: it's tough right now. It's tough all the way around though, I man. I, and I understand that there's a lot of deals that are being negotiated right now. I think, you, you know, yeah, you, contract negotiations, contract negotiations what you called it. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, man. And, and I mean, you gotta, you gotta play your leverage when you got it, man. You don't always have leverage in life when you have it, you gotta work it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I love, I love your story about, you know, you're going to get knocked down or you have to fight all your fights. Uh, and I encourage everybody to go out and listen to some of the links that we have on here because I was actually just listening to to one of them uh, before we met up again, and, and it just got me fired up all over again. It's just an amazing message, uh, just like I promised my listeners all the time and I told you we'd keep just the 30 minutes. But I can't thank you enough uh, for coming on the podcast, and I, I, I look forward to seeing you in the future uh, when you come back and, and keep the message going.
2: man. Yeah, I'll come out to your lake house out there, man. I can't wait.
1: Bring it. Bring it anytime you want. Uh, Damon West, thanks so much for being on our show, man. We appreciate it. And I, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Yeah, brother. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Take care.